Welcome to Team Luke for Minds Podcast. On this show, our mission is to help families just like yours. We'll bring you inspiring stories from brain injury survivors, advice from health professionals, and much more to help make the recovery journey a little easier. If you or anyone you know has a, suffered from a brain injury, this show is for you. We are rolling. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Team Luke Hope for Minds podcast. I'm Jared Samuels. And I'm Delaney Workman. And today on the show, we have Dr. Michael Reardon, who is a child neurologist who currently practices in Austin. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you're also a faculty member at the Dell Medical School at UT Austin. Um, you know, um, I'm, I don't, I, I have been, I'm not um, officially on the Dell Medical School faculty at this time. I've been um, really focused in, on, you know, with my private practice and clinical work. And I, I'm not really, um, I don't really have any um, affiliation with the medical school at this time. Okay. Well, either way, thank you so much for coming on. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Um, can you tell us uh, your story? How did you become interested in neurology and what set you down this path? Yeah. So, um, uh, I, um, did have a lot of personal experience early on in my life that I think set me toward uh, neurology and neuroscience. Um, I had um, uh, my youngest sister, um, who was the youngest of five kids, um, she, had, she had developmental delays and she started having seizures at a really young age. Um, so we were, we were involved as a family with with neurology and pediatric neurology you know very early on um she actually had she ended up having leukemia and she didn't make it and you know so we went through a lot as a family uh, and um, so we were we had a lot of involvement with doctors obviously um uh and a lot of you know as you might imagine i mean a lot of kind of mental health issues um related to just coping with, with all of that. And so um, I got a lot of exposure early on to neurology and psychiatry and psychology. And so I kind of always had an interest in how that works and what, you know, what if, how people are affected by things and, you know, how the mind works and how the brain works. Um, so, um, I went into college as a psychology major and I, I, I'll just divulge, like I was not a very good student uh, at all uh, through like elementary, middle, high school. So I didn't think I was gonna be a doctor, but I was thinking I would maybe be a psychologist or a therapist or a social worker or something. And I knew I was interested in that. Um, and but I actually realized once I was in college, like if I actually apply myself and go to class and study, like I could do, actually do really well. And, and, um, and so I then was immediately like, I wanted to be a doctor. And um, so that's, and I knew, I knew kind of already, like I wanted to do something that related to 
neuroscience. And as I got into medical school, I knew I was going to either do psychiatry or neurology. And generally, like just neurology ended up feeling um, like just most, I guess, appropriate for me. It's kind of where I belonged. Mm-hmm. Just, um, kind of learning as as much as I could possibly learn about the brain and how the brain works. Awesome. Um, can you tell us about your son Brady and his experience with traumatic brain injury? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so Brady is um, he's my uh, one of my three boys. We have, he's the youngest of three boys. Um, He's currently, um, he's 17, almost 18. He'll be 18 in March. So, um, um, so Brady was in a really severe uh, car accident um, a year and a couple months ago. It was October of 2019. Um, he was driving home from a school function at night. It was rainy, dark. Um, something happened we have no idea exactly how it happened but uh he collided with another car uh he was rolled rolled over pinned under the dash uh it was a severe severe injury he was he was very close to not making it um he um so he had he he had pretty you know very substantial brain injury um there was there was bleeding in his brain. He had what's called diffuse axonal injury or traumatic axonal injury. So basically, neurons get sort of torn and sheared and torn um, and and disconnected. Uh, and there was bleeding involved. Um, and he he probably had what's called ischemic injury to the brain because he was. His lungs were collapsed and he didn't have a good airway. And, and when they got to the hospital, I mean, it took a long time to get him out of the car. And uh, by the time they got him to the ER, he had a very, very low blood pressure and they had to, you know, they had to do, they had to stabilize him and get his blood pressure back up. And so he probably was not getting good blood flow to the brain and good oxygen to the brain. And um, it's, it's a little bit challenging to, to sort out exactly how much is ischemic and how much is traumatic because there's there there's basically several areas deep in the brain where there's lots of blood and clearly damage and it's it's hard to sort it out exactly what all happened but i mean obviously it was uh there's a lot of you know injury and damage to to brain um to his brain and then he also suffered like like every limb in his body was broken badly, and he had uh, some bowel injuries, uh, you know, injury to his intestines, and multiple broken bones that needed um, to be um, needed surgeries, and uh, he was severely severely injured, and and um, you know he was in shock. It was um, the I mean, it was a devastating. Um, injury and um you know he was in very critical condition um i can if if, i mean i you can interrupt me anytime i can kind of go on a little bit with just how it all played out and um yeah no that was my next question was how how has he progressed from that accident on to today 
So, um, yeah, and I know, I mean, I could go, it's, I'll try not to <clears throat> take too long, it's, uh, but, so he was obviously, you know, very sick, very critically injured in the ICU. He was, because of the brain injury, he was in a pretty deep coma. I mean, he was, he was completely unresponsive uh, for about a week. Um, and in the meantime, and, and because of the, the bleeding in the brain and the dramatic injury of the brain, there was swelling and increased pressure in the brain and they had to put a drain in his, you know, to, to help siphon off fluid to try to equalize the pressure. They had, uh, it was, um, there was a, there was a, about a week where I really didn't know if he was going to have any chance of recovery at all. Um, because there was just nothing happening neurologically in terms of any brainstem reflexes or, you know, his pupils weren't reacting to light. He wasn't moving at all. Even when they would turn off the sedation, I mean, there was nothing happening. Um, and his body was very, very sick. I mean, they were just battling and fighting, you know, to, to keep the pressure, the, the pressures down in his brain and keep the fluids managed right. And he'd lost a lot of blood. He needed lots of blood transfusions. He needed lots of surgery, so it was very precarious, and, and um, you know we were very un, unsure about how things were going to turn out. Um, eventually, he did start to move a little bit, and he and he started to open his eyes, and his pupils started reacting to light a little bit. Um, and for a period of about a month, he was he had was in what's called a minimally conscious state. So his eyes were open and he would kind of look around, um, but that was about it. Uh, um, and, and so for another couple of months, it was very uncertain if he was really gonna wake up and really have any kind of meaningful like processing or consciousness. Um, we did by then, like it, it, it takes some time uh, to actually be able to get a good picture of the brain, but about a, 10 days out from the injury, his body was stable enough that they could take him for an MRI. And um, so we could have, a, we had a pretty good picture of where his brain was damaged. And it's, a, it's, it was all pretty much like deep in the brain. There's areas of the brain called the basal ganglia and the thalamus. They're like kind of deep structures in the brain that are very much involved in like movement and coordination, like coordination of movement, initiation of movement. And, and actually the, like the pathways that are like carrying information from the cerebrum, the top of the brain down to the lower parts of the brain were kind of go through there too. The point I mean is that a lot of the the upper parts of the brain, what we call the cerebral hemispheres and the cerebral cortex, a lot of it looked okay. Um, so it was this kind of, this situation where th there's, I was, where we could at least hope that eventually he would have some, you know, like the ability to think and, and, and be conscious and understand what's going on and, and, and uh, basically, in short, that's that's how things have turned out. Um, after a couple of months, um, like starting around January, so the, uh, you know, this accident was late October, and starting around kind of January to February, he started waking up more, 
and like looking at people and like you could tell if you showed him a picture that he would smile and, and like recognize things he, you could tell that he like he knew like these are people i know or these are people i don't know or you know like oh i remember that like you get ex you know smile and get excited like at a picture um and, but he was so he's so he has regained a really quite a bit of awareness and he can like i know for sure he like he remembers all of his friends he remembers his wife he remembers stuff he's done um he can and and by about march i started to recognize that he could read words um because like if i wrote something that was like an inside joke or something i knew he would laugh at he would laugh at it um but all the while this time he was like basically unable to move anything other than his eyes and like move his face like when he was happy he would smile but um um he was almost completely quadriplegic um and and, and basically the the way things have panned out so far and it's been a, a little you know a year and a year and two two and a half months now um he um his movement is still extremely limited unfortunately uh he can move his left hand well enough to do things like he can hold a cup and drink and he can he can hold a fork and feed himself you kind of have to help him but he can do it um he can um he can point at letters and words to answer questions he still can't talk um he makes noise and he vocalizes but he just can't coordinate his mouth enough to articulate words but he clearly understands pretty much anything we talk about and i can i can either ask him questions or write out questions and he can point to answers and i you know either i or his therapist can test him and you know like He's, in, he's back in school now, like he goes a homebound teacher and they like read him stuff and then ask him questions and he answers the questions. So his cognitive functioning is not normal. You know, it's not what it was, uh, but it's come a long way. And he's, he's very aware and he's like, he's actually, he's intelligent. He, he knows stuff and he can, he can answer questions uh, intelligently, um, but he can't talk and he can barely move. Um, except for his left hand and he can he can move both legs uh but it's very very slow and it's uh so he's obviously he's confined to a wheelchair and we have to like we have to move him around he he can't roll over in bed he can't sit up um but he can lift his legs like when we're we're getting him dressed or he's we're getting him in and out of his chair um and um that's kind of where we're we're at. Um, so I'll let you guys um, ask me other questions from there. I guess. Oh no! I mean that that sounds like a pretty remarkable improvement in a year mm -hmm. from where he was. So yeah. Um, do you believe that uh, your practice and your experience as a neurologist? Do you think that helped in any way from either a treatment or an emotional perspective with his injury? Yes. Definitely the answer is yes. I mean, it definitely helped. Um, and, and here's why. 
um, you know, if if you're if you're a parent and you have a child that you know develops some kind of a disease or illness or a medical problem, I think it's you know I I can't speak for every single parent obviously, but I think but I know you know I I think I have a pretty good perspective as a you know as a pediatric doctor. I've been doing this for a while. You know, if you're a parent and your kid's sick, you want to know everything you can about what's going on. I mean, that's so it's like if if you if you suddenly find out that your child has cancer, like you want you want to know everything about it. You know, you want to be an oncologist. If you find out that your child is having seizures and they have epilepsy, like you you want to know as as much as you can. You know, your I think your wish would be like to be a pediatric neurologist and like. Well, in this case, I am a pediatric neurologist, so like I, you know, I I happen to have already, I'm already there. I know all I know all the stuff that I know about neurology, so it helps a lot. Um, it it doesn't make it any less painful, you know. Um, it, it 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 didn't. It didn't make it any less, you know, devastating and, and painful to, to go through everything. Um, but it helped a lot. And um, and I, you know, I don't know. And up until that point, I mean, as a as a neurologist, I, I really didn't do a lot of work with in the setting of like severe acute brain injuries and like the ICU setting. That wasn't like a very familiar environment for me but still i mean obviously i'm, I'm a physician um I, i've done plenty of icu rotations i've you know worked with lots of kids that have had traumatic brain injuries i obviously you know all the stuff i know i i had a pretty good grasp of what was going on and you know i was the person that could talk with all the doctors about what's going on and i was the person that could relay all the information to everybody else in the family and explain things and so i was glad to be able to be in that role you know and, and um so yeah i was very helpful and it was you know for if you have to be in that situation you know that's it it then uh, like it you it couldn't you couldn't have it any better than to already already be in that specialty and know all the stuff that you know. So yeah, it's, it's helped a lot. All right. Do you think your experience as a parent has changed your experience or like perspective as a doctor? Yeah, I, I really think so. Um, you know, um, I think it, I, I think it helps a lot if you're if you're a pediatric physician if you have your own kids and you you know you you live with kids and you see you know you, uh, I, I think that helps in being able to relate to parents and the kids I think um, one thing that's kind of interesting is you know when I first was like all three of my kids were basically born as I was going through residency and just starting out so when I was so when I was just starting out I was I was very familiar with like young babies and young kids. Um, and I was still kind of like teenagers were kind of a mystery to me. And I was kind of afraid of teenagers. <laughs> it's like, they're like big and they're almost adults and they think, and you know, 
I, I was pretty, I was fairly uncomfortable as a new doctor, like dealing with teenagers. And as my kids have grown up, you know, I've gone through all the stuff you go through with like preteen and teenage years and high school and, and then going off to college. So I've, I've learned a lot, I think, you know, going through all that stuff with my own kids and their friends. And, you know, um, so now I, I can definitely say like, I'm a lot more comfortable now seeing teenagers and, and adolescents and, and even college age kids. It's like I'm familiar with that. I feel a lot more familiarity with it now. It's, it's not so much of a, a mystery. Uh, so that's one, one thing, um, you know, with, um, and with Brady, um, it's like a whole nother sort of universe or planet, you know, it's like a completely different thing. Um, and I think I'm still going through a progression of, the, of this, you know, it's still like the way that it's affecting me. Um, but certainly, you know, now I've, you know, I've spent a year, a little over a year going through something that's, you know, very, that was very traumatic, very severe, um, and, and part of our, you know, it's just our daily life is, um, um, you know, working with things that are, um, where Brady's very limited and, and, and what he's able to do, there's a lot of caretaking. So, so I can, yeah, I, I think that I'm becoming like now I, now I can relate even more to families who have kids who are, who have really, really severe neurological impairments and limitations and challenges and, um, I, I didn't want this, but I, you know, now I, I, I have personal experience of what it's like um, with some of these things. And um, so it's, it, it gives me, it, it gives me even, you know, more of a way to like relate and connect with, with families that are going through stuff. Definitely. Um, what tools have you used in your practice or with your son that you would recommend to other parents? Now you're getting to the hard questions. <laughs> well, so, so one thing that comes to my mind is, um, um, with, you know, like with, I'm just thinking about with, with Brady, like working with Brady and our, our family and like, um, we have we have really um i think we've done a good job we've really emphasized and gotten into like um like just trying to accept where brady is at whatever you know whatever time frame and like and 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 like bringing it's it's kind of hard to articulate this like bringing like love and joy into the situation even just despite how hard it is like um so i'm just thinking about like like all the things that we know brady loves like 
the music that he likes, songs, um, video, you know, like TikTok videos and um, uh, TV shows that he likes or whatever. Like we just were constantly, um, you know, like just trying to make him happy and bring things in that are familiar to him and that he we know will kind of get, you know, um, make him happy and also make him kind of motivated, give him a spark. Um, and I, I think that's been really helpful and really successful. Like we're, we're just as a family, we're really into music and Brady's always been really into music and we, we get out instruments and, you know, we'll give him a ukulele and he'll like, you know, with his one left hand, he's plucking on the ukulele and he gets really excited about it. Or we, um, we play, uh, videos of him singing and he just gets so excited and he vocalizes and so we just we do a lot of that so i think it's you know whatever it is that so as far as working with somebody that that has had a brain injury um whatever it is that is very familiar and really you know um gets the person excited and motivated i think is a really good thing um another um another thing that i've kind of forgotten about because now it's been a few months but over the summer we got you know we got him in the pool all the time and he loves being in the pool and in the water um, so we just you know we would just really make an effort to do that as much as possible um, so I think part of it is like, as far as a tool, like, like kind of a practice of just accept, kind of acceptance of where we are right now, and and just working with it, you know, where where we are, and and um, and then just really trying to. Um, um, kind of bring out the, emo you know, happy emotions and positive emotions. No, that's great. Um, I remember uh, in my injury, I couldn't do anything. So I would just watch basketball games because I love basketball. Mm -hmm. There's this kind of way for me to, to like bring in joy as you talk about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It says we have nine minutes left for some reason. So we're going to go to that. I, I just noticed that. <laughs> yeah. So we'll go to that. We'll go to the last question. Um, what, you know, so when we ask everyone, I think you'll have a really unique perspective. Um, what are your top three recommendations for a parent or a caregiver who's dealing with someone that has a brain injury? Okay. So, yeah, I, I think this is, I, I find this challenging because I think it's really hard to, to like make a recommendation or give somebody advice that you don't know, you know, like, um, so I think there's just so many different, like so many different, um, ways of being and like, I mean, and, and with brain injury, it's, there's so many different variations and differences. And so what, what, you know, might work for us may not work for somebody else, but, um, so, the, the, so it, one recommendation that I would suggest, or you know, just is like for if you're a parent or a caregiver or a family, you know, is 
be really kind to yourself and really good to yourself and care for yourself um, and um, um, be very forgiving of yourself and allow yourself allow yourself to feel however you feel um, allow it to you know it, it might change from hour to hour or day to day but you know allow that to you know like give yourself a break and allow that and and um, be really kind to yourself uh, practice self-care uh, allow people to help um, as long as you know like you trust them and you're comfortable with it so that so that you can take breaks i think it's really really important um, and it's 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 really i can speak from my own personal experience it can be really hard to step away from the caregiving um, and but it's really important to do that like all right i'm gonna let i'm gonna let mom be in charge for a little bit and i'm gonna go take a walk or 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 you know i'm gonna have this night and you're gonna have the next night or what you know it's just really important to to allow for uh support and help and and taking shifts and and taking time for self-care um another thing that i thought of is is to have a therapist um i think that's a really in if you're a if you're a parent or a loved one, you know, who's somebody who's had a severe brain injury, that's a, a really good resource, um, or at least some some really good source of support counseling, uh, somebody that you can vent and talk to and say whatever you you know whatever you have to say, um, and then maybe kind of on the, along the same lines. Or, or kind of related, um, I would say like have some have some kind of spiritual practice. Um, I I feel really fortunate that um, you know before this ever happened to Brady, like I I had a, I I had sort of a committed spiritual practice of like um, prayer meditation um, things of that nature and I um, so and, and I, I I'm sort of like open and respectful to you know lots lots of different potential like beliefs um, and, and I, but I, I would suggest and just a suggestion like regardless of what you what your beliefs are about God or whatever consider like praying for strength and um, like serenity and acceptance and strength and just to, to get through. Like, I, I think that there's, I think that there's something um, that, that that's meaningful or, you know, that, that that can be helpful, like uh, a daily practice of prayer and, and particularly like asking for like for yourself, like strength and courage and, wisdom and and peace and like which is which is not easy to come by if you're um you know you have a like you have a child that's been injured or is very sick but i i think it makes a difference and that's just a this is just a suggestion or that's that's something that's been important for me oh no thank you very much 
this was a really powerful interview okay. and i really appreciate you coming on and like it can i just add one more that's is sort of maybe a little bit more practical uh, yeah yeah about like you know like brain injury um it, which is um like listen to a lot of different perspectives um and you know as far as like medical advice or recommendations or or uh you know potential treatments uh, and then and then you gotta like kind of follow your gut or you know your intuition about what's the right thing to do mm -hmm. um and i think there's there's no there's not a you know there's not a one there's not one blueprint for how to how to do it like how to how to go through how to do therapy or how to how to help somebody recover or how to recover if you've had a brain injury but um there's a there's a lot out there um and i, th I think it's important to to seek out advice and read things and hear people's perspectives but then you got to go back to like you know what feels right to you Mm -hmm. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Team Luke Hope for Minds podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website, teamlukehopeforminds.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. See you all next time.